You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast. Your number one podcast for Florida Gator football. Scared money don't make money. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of Getting Swamped. This is none other than your boy, David Silverquist, and a huge, huge recruiting month in store for the Florida Gators in June. And just this past week, there were some huge visits there from the 3rd to the 5th. And uh, look, I'm no recruiting expert, although I do keep up with recruiting and kind of what's going on behind the scenes. I do hear great things uh, from some of the folks out there that have been at these visits and have been able to talk to these kids. I do hear great things, but I know what you guys want. We want commits, right? (laughs) So that's why next week I'll have on Connor Clark from SI.com to break down some of these visits, where these kids could possibly land in the future, and maybe... Just maybe we'll be talking about a five-star quarterback that'll announce his commitment soon who's visiting Florida on his last official visit before committing, and that is the quarterback by the name of Jaden Rashada, who will visit Florida June 7th through June the 9th, which will be his last official visit before announcing his commitment on June 18th. Now, he's currently visited Texas A&M. He visited them from June 3rd to 5th there. Uh, He's also rumored to give LSU a visit, which I honestly don't even think LSU's a big player in this anyway. But still, I mean, you can't count on any school, especially with NIL. But some good news on this. Um, If you look, as I said, Jaden Rashada, he's going to have his last official visit at the University of Florida. And if you like statistics like I do, Bud Davis, if you haven't followed him on Twitter, he is at Davis. He's been doing these big recruiting breakdowns on his Twitter lately, and he put together a graph that basically explains how the last official visit is huge when landing a recruit. And basically, if you look at the graph, if the recruit only took one official visit to one school, you have a 76% chance to land that recruit. Obviously, if that recruit visits it, just visits your school officially and no other ones, or maybe goes on like an unofficial somewhere, you pretty much have a 76% chance to land the recruit. Now, if they take two official visits and you are the last official visit, you will have 60% chance of landing that prospect. If they take three and you're the last visit, you have a 51 to 52% chance of landing the prospect. And if they take four and you're the last one, it would then go to 43%. And then if they take five official visits and you're the last official visit, then it drops to 38%. So Jaden looks to have maybe four official visits, I believe, with Oregon, LSU, A&M, and then Florida. So according to Bud Davis's graph and how history has shown, and we have the last official visit, we should have a 42% chance to land Jaden Rashada. And if you go to the on3.com prediction machine, as they call it, Florida right now sits at 26.6% chance to, according to their experts, to land Jaden Rashada, which is currently the largest percentage points among schools. Oregon sits at 22.6%, Texas A&M at 19.4%, Miami at 0%. <laughs> just kidding. They stayed at 15.1%, but they're going down just like the MSP recovery stock. And LSU at 5.7%, unless some funky dance moves and booty dancing ups the percentage there for LSU when he visits. Uh, I, I don't see it happening. Let's just hope not. So, yeah, no no booty dancing from Brian Kelly. And if you could booty dance your way uh, to, to LSU as a recruit, then uh, you probably don't need to come to Florida anyway because that's just kind of weird. But <laughs> if Florida were to land Jaden Rashada, it would put Florida's recruiting class ranking in the 24-7 sports official rankings from 38th to 18th. That's a huge jump. And, and it would also spark a lot of recruits to want to come to Florida. I mean, go back to the – commitment of Tim Tebow I mentioned a couple podcasts ago I mean 
when he committed to the University of Florida, that's when you saw Brandon Spikes come here, Percy Harvin, a lot of those guys, because they saw who's going to be throwing them the ball. And a lot of defensive guys want to play for an elite quarterback. Uh, you know, I mean, we're talking elite wide receivers, tight ends, slot guys, offensive linemen, defensive recruits. You know, I mean, getting a big time quarterback to start your class always sparks other recruits' interest. So if Florida can pick up his commitment on the 18th. I would expect, in my opinion, for other dominoes to fall after that. Uh, it's a matter of when, though, because there's a lot of guys setting their commitment dates for the end of July. So you're going to have to kind of be patient for that. But I would expect to see some more dominoes as, as well. I mean, I mean, Florida, he, they need this commitment. As much as I praise the staff and I love what they're doing here at Florida, it would be a huge letdown. It would be a, actually it would be a fail by the staff if it doesn't happen. I, I I just can't see any other elite quarterback at that Florida would be in the running for maybe Arch Manning, but I I just don't see that. But if Rashada commits elsewhere, that would just be a huge fail. But I mean, if you want some good news though, I talked to a lot of credible guys, media guys behind the scenes. Uh, him and his dad love Florida. And I mean, when I talk to them, they say, dude, they love it here. So. Usually, when you get like the parents' influence with a uh, recruit or a prospect, usually the parents' influence kind of wins out there. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work out that way, though. I mean, you, you saw Jacob Copeland commit to Florida, but his mom, I think his mom wanted him to go to Alabama or Tennessee or something like that. So sometimes it doesn't work, but for the most part, it usually does. So, But if you were to ask me to make a pick right now, and it's not a homer pick, which, which school he would go to, I would pick Florida. So if that counts for anything to you folks, he has my stamp of approval coming to Florida. I know a lot of you guys DM me out there on Twitter asking me my opinions of certain recruits, where they're going to go. Um, he has my stamp of approval coming to Florida. I'm picking Florida. That's my pick. But we'll see what happens come June 18th. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about Rashada because there were some notable ranking bumps of potential Florida prospects in the 24-7 sports composite, which is what most people look at because it factors in all the recruiting service rankings in just this past week. They included on threes rankings, which some fans were not too happy about because Rashada dropped about 20 or 30 spots because of on three. But I'm going to go ahead and blame Nick Delatore for that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Nick, Nick's a good dude, man. Uh, those people don't rate the players at all on on three. Corey, Nick, none of those guys do. I just had to throw that joke out there to my buddy Nick, man. I got to get him on the podcast sometime soon. But anyway, some potential prospects dropped, but then some went up big as well. So let's look. And let me give a special shout-out to Sorax on Twitter and the Gators Breakdown Plus Discord chat. He's a big software engineering guy, so he put together a list of potential Florida prospects who had big jumps and dives in the classroom rankings. And I'll go to, like, the big jumps right now. The biggest jump, and this is a guy that's strongly considering Florida, wide receiver Aiden Mazell. He was ranked 155th in the 24-7 sports composite. He jumped 40 spots. He is now ranked 115th in the nation, almost in that top 100. You got edge rusher Isaiah Nixon, big jump for him. He jumped 70 spots. Andrew Rapalia, I hope I said your name right. He's a tight end. He's considering Florida with a few other offers. He jumped 60 spots. TJ Searcy, defensive lineman, four-star guy there, jumped 77 spots. Huge jump for him. Robert Stafford, athlete, jumps 43 spots. And Eugene Wilson the third, an athlete that Florida is strongly in the running for, jumps 53 spots. And a big-time wide receiver here, Tyler Williams, jumps 62 spots. That is the big jumps out of these. I mean, you got Lucas Simmons, he goes 34. Kalen Lee jumps 38. Roderick Kearney jumps 39 spots here. Will conform me 28 spots. And as I said, Aiden Mazell, there 40 spots. Now let's look at some of the guys that's 
in the running for Florida that had, I, I can't really say a lot of these guys had a huge drop. Some of them did, but a lot of them are just like a couple of points down. Samuel Mpemba, five-star athlete, still a five-star. He dropped 11 spots. Jaden Wayne, edge rusher, dropped 13 spots. Malik Bryant, big-time linebacker there in the running for Florida, drops 10 spots. Hakeem Williams, wide receiver, drops 22 spots. And the one that everybody was upset about because he lost his fifth start, I'm a little bit upset too, so screw you guys at On3. Jaden Rashada <laughs> drops 24 spots. Just kidding. Love you On3 guys out there. I have to give you some crap, though, for that. So uh, better you better bump that raking back up for us or else we're, we're going to have some words. I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, Will Norman, he drops 26 spots. DeQuavia Sori wide receiver drops 39 spots. Trayon Webb, who I'm really upset about that he dropped 32 spots. I'm going to go over there and fist fight some of these on three guys. He dropped 32 spots. Anthony James drops 35 spots. Jordan Hall, IMG Academy guy, big time IMG Academy recruit, drops 33 spots. But still, you still want to get this guy. He's still in the top 150. Sharif Denson, he drops 40 spots, cornerback there. But Florida is in the running for Kamari McClain who didn't change. None of those rankings changed there. He's still good. He's still the number one cornerback in the class. So these are just some of the main names that had big drops or big leaps in the 24-7 sports composite. So transitioning from recruiting a little bit here and talking about a position that's plagued Florida over the years, but looks to be on the come up here with a commitment from IMG Academy's Nigeria Harris offensive line. Now with two coaches instead of one, Rob Sell and Darnell Stapleton leading the charge here and I got to catch up with offensive lineman and the MVP of the opening 2019 camp, Richie Leonard. And we will have that interview on the second part of Getting Swamped coming up. Need a sign for your company, your man cave, your live stream or podcast? Give my guy Brandon White a shout out at White & Sons Wood Carving. He has the best handcrafted signs nationally, all custom fit for your needs. With state-of-the-art paint and epoxy, you can have that glow of your sign too with some custom LEDs as a package as well. Give him a shout out on Twitter at WS Woodcarving. You can also follow him on Twitch and check out his Facebook page at White and Sons Woodcarving. Top of the line signs made from scratch. College programs must be competitive in name, image, and likeness. It impacts current athletes and affects the decisions of recruits. And Gator fans can put Florida at the forefront of NIL. The Gator Collective is leading the charge, uniting fans and student-athletes like never before. Commit for exclusive content, interactions, and events which bring you closer than ever to your favorite players. Also, by joining the Gator Collective, you're empowering these student-athletes to build relationships and develop skills that go far beyond just making money. You're providing an avenue for these Gators to excel in life. NIL will change the landscape of college sports if we can't be left behind. Gator Nation, do your part by joining the Gator Collective today at www.thegatorcollective.com. You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast with your host, David Soderquist, your number one source for all things college football and Florida Gators. All right, folks, joining me on this episode of Getting Swamped, up-and-coming offensive lineman Richie Leonard. Now, Richie, I, I know it didn't hit Gainesville as hard as like some other areas down there, but how's getting through that rough patch of weather, man? Oh, we, we, we haven't, uh, haven't had too bad of weather yet around here. Um, yeah. Like I said, it hasn't really hit Gainesville yet, so it hasn't affected us too much. 
Yeah, we're um I live up here in like North Georgia, so we're getting like a lot of wind from it, but it actually feels good outside. It's around like 78, 79 degrees and the, the breeze is just really nice today. So I, I I walked outside and I was like, "Man, I'm used to it being really hot and humid." I walk out there today and it's just nice breeze, 77 degrees. So it felt pretty good when I walked outside, man. Oh yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So you played varsity football at Cocoa High School in Florida. Uh, what do you remember the most about your time there at Cocoa High School? Well, I remember most of my time at Cocoa High was probably uh, playing in state championship games. Um, that was one of the one of the best experiences I had uh, playing high school football. The ones we won are the ones we lost. Um, but definitely uh, the state championship games, playoff runs. State championship game. Uh, did you guys wind up winning that game? Uh, we won it my freshman year, um, okay, and then we lost it sophomore and senior year. Okay, man, that's still good though. Making it to state like that—it's—it's it's really hard to do down here, especially. I came from Etowah High School in Georgia, which is probably a weaker division than what you guys play in, obviously in Florida. But um, I think we made it to state one time when I was there in in high school, and they they beat us. They beat us bad. So. <laughs> it wasn't even close. Um, but you, I mean, you obviously, you've attended a few camps, obviously, in your recruitment, uh, one of them being the opening in Orlando, Florida, where you won the MVP, the offensive line MVP there of 2019. Uh, take me back. What was it like to win MVP at that event? I mean, you got all those elite prospects competing, and you come out on top winning the MVP. What was that like, man? Oh, so great. Um, you know, especially during that time, I felt like, I was a little bit under the radar recruiting-wise, so it was great to, to come to an event like that with a lot of top prospects and be able to, to come out as the, the MVP in my position. It was, it was a really good experience. Yeah, and you got to think, too, with COVID in, in 2020, that really was a kind of a setback for a lot of prospects, especially somebody like you that came up and obviously won the MVP at that event. I'm sure you wanted to go to more of these camps and try to, you know, I, I, I guess recruiting, I, I guess some guys, I don't know about you, but some high school guys could care less about the rankings. Some of them like them. But I guess the higher the rank that you are, I guess the more offers get thrown at you. Am I not right? Uh, uh, to an extent, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's the schools offering the kids. Um, and each school has their own little evaluation process. So you might you might be a three-star on rivals, but, you know, a university has yours as a five-star on their board. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, congratulations, obviously, on winning the MVP of that event. Um, you, you came in here under the last regime in 2020. I mean, you get here, uh, you get your uniform, your locker, et cetera. Uh, what was it like meeting some of those guys in 2020? I mean, you had first-round draft pick Kyle Pitts, uh, first-round draft pick Tony, Kyle Trask, who set the single-season passing record. You know, unfortunately, the year fell short a little bit for us, but what was it like meeting some of those guys and maybe some of those other guys? Oh, it was a, it was just a great experience getting to be around those guys, you know, especially some of those older guys like you said, Trask, Pitts, and uh, on the O line guys like like Brett Hedgie and, and Stone Forsyth, Gene Delance. Being around guys like that, just uh, being able to watch them and, and how they prepare and, and how they come in to, to work every day and their their mindset towards a lot of things. It was huge in, in being able to learn from those guys first before I was able to get my feet wet. What, what what did you learn most from like those guys like Brett Heggie and all of them? I learned about the the off fit side. I learned about how you have to take care of your body um, and about how you have to mentally prepare for games more than uh, physically prepare. Watching film and, and studying who you're going against, things like that. Yeah, 
Absolutely, man. And obviously, I mean, those guys were coached under the last regime, Dan Mullen, uh, Coach Hevesy. Uh, obviously, they were let go. How hard was that and like for you initially? I mean, there's obviously a good relationship there. Uh, all the kids who you know, came in from this class. What was going through your mind at that point when, uh, when all that happened? Uh, I'd say there was just a lot of uncertainty at the time. Um, you know, it came as a little bit of a surprise to all of us. Uh, you know, we came into the season with, with high hopes and high expectations, and we hit some adversity and, and things didn't go away. But I feel like uh, as a team, we, we handled the transition well so far. Yeah, I was working for a media company at that time for, for Florida, and I remember the day they, they somebody had called me and they said, well, um, the head coach's car isn't at practice. And then we put two and two together and then found out like a day later that uh, Scott Strickland you know, came out and, and announced it all. So it was kind of shocking for just, I guess, the fan base in general as well because we that was – it was – I mean, I don't know if you saw it coming or not. Some fans, I guess, could have saw it coming from an outside perspective, but none of us really saw it coming. We were like, wow, that was quick. Yeah. <laughs> So um, in comes Billy Napier and staff. Um, I, you know, I ask this to every player I interview. Um, how did you feel at the time uh, meeting Billy? What was it like? Um, my first time meeting him was, was he made a great first impression on me. Um, you know, shook my hand, looked me in the eyes, and, and, and told me exactly everything he's going to do and bring to the University of Florida. And up to this point, he's done everything he said he's going to do so far. I see. Yeah, it seems like some of the like a lot of the players I interview. It seems like a lot of them are really like they're happier than they were before. And I'm not. It's not a knock on the last staff or anything like that. But it's just like you know the parking tickets. That issue was fixed. Um, it looks like in practice a lot more people are getting a lot more reps. Um, is there anything that like that you know really jumped out to you when Billy Napier got here that he just kind of fixed and that that was probably maybe a lingering issue. Um, I'd say it's a it's a combination of things. Um, you know, like you said, the parking he came in and fixed it. Um, the the food he came in and, and changed up our whole food situation. So, like I said, up to this point, he's kept his word and done everything he said he's going to do. So, nothing plus here. Yeah, that's good to hear, man. I, I like to see that the players actually, you know, they're being taken care of and all that. And when I went to the Atlanta Gator Gathering, they had a, the Billy Napier speaking tour there, and I got to actually sit there and listen to him speak in person one time. And I, and me in general, just thinking about it, I was like, man, this guy's really genuine. He's very honest. He's straightforward. He doesn't beat around the bush. I was like, I kind of like that when I was just initially here. And he's kind of funny too. Like he'll get on the mic, he'll say some funny stuff too. So it, overall personality wise, man, you can, he just, he kind of like, uh, he'll, he'll light up a room, man. Yeah, absolutely. Cause maybe he's a great guy. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been about seven months since he's been there. He came in in December of last year, uh, put together an early signing day recruiting class. And, uh, you know, Rob Sale, uh, uh, Darnell Stapleton, new offensive line coaches there. How's that transition been so far with the new uh, new coaching staff there on the offensive line? I think it's been, been really smooth so far. You know, everybody in the room is, is bought in. And then uh, with, with two O-line coaches, you know, there's – it's hard, it's hard to, like, miss anything, you know. Um, if one coach might not catch something, another coach would, uh, you know, some things like that. So it's, it's been good having having both of those guys, and, and they're two really good coaches as well. So, yeah. yeah, and I heard the staff is very analytical. Like, they're very big on numbers, statistics, analytics. Um, how's that helped I guess kind of all you guys there in y'all's game I mean obviously you have to learn technique hands feet placement 
But the analytical and statistical category is something, I guess, that a lot of people overlook. How is the numbers that they've put together in certain games or game film has helped you guys out in, in y'all's overall football game? Um, I think it, it helps to it helps for each player to to gain more perspective on the game of football, you know, to to look at football as a whole or not just what your specific position is doing on this play, you know, to to understand the the scheme of a of a play more than just what your rule and what your job is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, Rob Sale and Darnell Stapleton, we see videos of them. You know, we see them from the outside. They seem like really funny, personal guys. Uh, what differs from Rob Sale and Darnell Stapleton that maybe didn't differ from, like, Coach Hevesy, personality-wise? Um, that's, that's tough to say because, uh, you know, they're two completely different guys, and, you know, they've got their <laughs> – their own little things, their own little quirks to themselves. So it's it's a I just say right now it's a really good work environment. It's really fun uh playing for those guys and just excited for the season. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you like having two offensive line coaches instead of one? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, at first I wasn't sure about it because I I had never I've had one O line coach my entire life, you know, ever since I've been playing football. Uh, so I wasn't sure about how the how the dynamic of the whole thing would work, but it's been really smooth so far. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, I mean, obviously when Billy Napier got here, there was a boatload of new staff members. There's more staff members I've ever seen at the University of Florida covering them as long as I have. Uh, I, I believe there's like 60 staff members now. It, it's crazy. Are there any other coaches that you come in contact with on a normal or like a daily basis? Oh, yeah, definitely, uh, like you said, we've got a bunch of staffers, so all types of different departments. Uh, the people in the Gatorade department, Savannah, um, you know, VB, Vernell Brown, uh, those those guys, all the nutritionists, you know, we're in contact with them every day, trying to, you know, make sure we're eating the right things. You know, the, the strength staff, Coach Hockey, Coach Dunbar, uh, Steve Miller, those guys. Um, you know, you, you, you come in contact with a, with a lot of different people every day um, with, this, with this new set up and how Chris Napier has things going on and I think it works out really well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like I said, we we see it from an outside perspective. We're not actually there, so it's really cool to get these interviews from you guys to, to learn more of what's going on on the inside. And it seems like the general consensus is everybody enjoys it. They, they love it. Um, I got to ask you kind of a funny question, though, man. And I asked this last week to Caleb Douglas. They have these cameras set up, and they, they ask people random questions when they come into, uh, I guess, the administration office or a facility, some part of the facility. Have you been caught by one of those cameras yet? I have not been caught by a camera yet. Uh, I've seen them, seen them set up a couple of times, but it, every time that I've walked past one, I've, I've had somewhere to be, so I haven't had time to stop yet. But, uh, yeah, those are, those are really funny to see guys walking up and, and – and, giving their opinion on whatever question they're asking every day. It's always something really funny. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, some of the players I've interviewed, uh, they've been caught by the camera. Some of them have it, but you know it's coming. It's going to come one of these days. You're going to walk in there, and it's going to jump out at you. Um, yeah, NIL, it's new. Uh, Gator Collective, they're doing a lot of great things now, introduced to the Gator Guard. Um, how important to you is the Gator Collective just overall as a student athlete? Uh, you know, the Gator Club is very important. Um, you know, they're great people and, and they're doing nothing but great things for every student athlete, you know, at the University of Florida. So 
I'm nothing but appreciative of uh, appreciative of them and and all the, the wonderful things that that they're doing right now for us. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I love it too because it gives us a chance to learn more about every student athlete like yourself and and you know Caleb Douglas, Lloyd Summerall, Lorenzo Lingard. I've interviewed quite a few of those guys. And um, I, that's what I really like about it. And that's the big takeaway I get from it just as a fan. And, and the, the other fans get to hear it as well on the podcast. But, you know, you really don't get to know what certain student athletes kind of actually go through, whether it's good or bad, until you actually get to sit down and talk to them for a little bit. So I think what Gator Collective and Gator Guard and a lot of those other NIL companies do, and especially, you know, on-field production as well, you kind of get rewarded for that too. If, uh, you know, say another NIL company sees what you're doing, you kind of get benefits from that, like benefits we could never get before back in the, the days before NIL. So it's really cool to see all these, either whether it's a collective or some other company outside of that, really supporting the student athlete and what they do on and off the field. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and like you said, a big part of that is is the fans. You know, uh, The fans are, are a huge part of what makes playing at UF so great. You know, the fans every Saturday um, out there in the swamp. So getting to connect with them and, and, and really talk to and, and see what the people that are supporting you every Saturday uh, have going on. It's, it's, it's really cool. To do, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'll be down there for the Utah game. It's going to be a huge game. It's, it's more than likely going to be a sellout. Obviously you've attended quite a few games being there coming in at 2020. What was your favorite one to attend and why? Uh, I'd say my favorite one was probably when I was a recruit, uh, home versus LSU when uh, the game Brad Stewart cut the, the pick six to ice it. That was a, that was a great kick. Oh, yeah. I remember that, man. I was so happy that day, too. I remember uh, it, 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 was, it pretty much did ice the game. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wasn't going to think that LSU was going to come back, score a touchdown, and make a two-pointer, which they didn't. But uh, it was really cool to see that, man, uh, especially when it was a game that was that close towards the end. And uh, you're a Florida Gator fan, and I had to stream that game because I was at a wedding. So uh, don't tell anybody. I was sitting there look, looking down at it, and I finally got excited. And luckily, when the uh, pick six actually happened, the reception was going on, so I could yell and scream as much as I wanted to. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we talk about game day a lot. You've appeared in about, I, I would say, we're at eight games or so. What drives you on game day, man? What gets you pumped? Um, you know, on game days, it's – it's a culmination of things, you know, you work all off season, uh, you know, eight months out of the year, <laughs> we're not playing football. We're, you know, getting ready to play football for those four months. So, so things like that. And, um, you know, this thing about my family and how hard that they've worked and I've worked, everybody's worked to get to this point, um, you know, and then running out of the tunnel, there's, <laughs> there's no more motivation that any person could ever need to run out the tunnel the swamp on a game day you know it's it's crazy the atmosphere the fans it's just it's unmasked yeah it's funny you mentioned that too because the uh first game of last season i sat near the tunnel i i was able to get like a, a front seat seats wanted to right at the front of the tunnel man so I, I was taking videos and all that i was getting chills just taking the video i could imagine what it's like for you guys with you to put the pads on the helmet on you've got a full stadium a packed stadium of People just screaming as you run out of the tunnel, man. That's that's got to be like you got to get like the ultimate adrenaline rush from that. Oh yeah, definitely. It's one of the the, the best experiences I've ever had in my life. Uh, being able to run out that tunnel, there's honestly nothing like it, and nothing can compare to that. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I could only imagine. Um, I, I do ask this, too, uh, to a lot of the athletes that I do have on. Um, who have you always looked up to you in your life? Like, it doesn't have to be an athlete. It could be anybody. It could be somebody in your personal life or a famous athlete, if that's who you, you know, looked up to. Who, who have you always looked up to and why? Uh, someone I've always looked up to. Honestly, probably my dad. Um, you know, my dad's just such a, a hard worker. And, you know, seeing him be able to, to you know, provide for us and, and get it done day in, day out, far enough, um, you know, it was always an inspiration to me because, like I said, he's just a, a, a hard worker. So being able to take that, that mentality that he has and apply it to what I have going on in my life, I think it's helped me out and helped me a lot up until this point. Glad you said that, man, man. My dad passed away in 08 and I have so many fond memories of my dad. And when I think about a lot of things and it's really funny because my mom always tells me, I think like my dad a lot. And so when I think about things, I always look up to the sky and I'm like, this is something you would do. <laughs> so you know, always cherish those moments with your dad, man, because as, as I said, man, you never know when they're going to be around much longer. And uh, anyway, getting off that subject, last but not least, Utah game one. It's going to be a sellout, as I said. What advice do you got to tell the fans, alumni, current students, if you want to add anything else? The floor is yours. I mean, it's going to be a packed stadium, Utah. What do you want to tell the fans? Well, what what you got? Where's the floor, man? Pack the swamp, bring the energy, the juice, the noise. You know, we need the, the, the full effects of the swamp uh, and week one. Yeah. I think, I think our fans have no problem with that. <laughs> you know, that was... That'll be the easy part for them. Oh, yeah. You got to think. These Utah guys are going to come down from that cold weather. It's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. So my advice to every Florida Gator fan is to scream so loud every Utah play, you lose your voice, and maybe they lose some yardage from false starts, not hearing a play or something along those lines. But I remember a few of my buddies went to the Alabama game last year, and I wasn't there, but I saw videos they took. And that place was loud. It was was loud. Yeah, that was was one of the louder games I had have been at uh and the swamp as well yeah that place was crazy all right richie man uh thank you for joining me here on getting swamped and as i said looking for big things coming to you in 2022 man and and i hope you pancake block a lot of people next year yes sir i hope so too (laughs) all right man thank you for joining me on getting swamped thanks for having me all right, Richie Leonard there, a guy who is on the come up here, uh, making big leaps in camps in 2019, but obviously having to be sidelined there with COVID, hardly any camps going on at the time there. So I honestly, I expect huge things from him here in the future because I honestly do think he was very underrated as a recruit. As I said, COVID hit, he couldn't go to any more of those camps and he was pancaking dudes in that opening if you go look at some of that film. But uh, just clearly my opinion, and that'll all have to be proven there on the field. So now let's look at what Rob Sale did at Louisiana Lafayette before he went to the Giants for a year and Stapleton coming in there the last year at Louisiana Lafayette coming over there from Sam Houston State. So let's look at rushing statistics. Let's look at average rushing yards per game. In 2018, Louisiana Lafayette was ranked 24th in the nation averaging 211.5 yards rushing per game. In 2019, they were ranked 10th in the nation averaging 243.4 yards per game. 2020, they were ranked 21st in the nation, averaging 213.6 yards per game. And in 2021, they were 26th in the nation, averaging 202 yards per game. So, man, Louisiana Lafayette didn't have a season under Billy Napier and staff where they averaged under 200 yards rushing and did not have a rushing offense 
that was ranked below 30th in the nation in rushing as well. So, I mean, those are some numbers you love to see, especially with the talent we have at running back in the backfield. I mean, it just goes to show you how much of a fantastic job Rob Sale did at Lafayette before going to the Giants for a year and Stapleton taking over the duties there. They never missed a beat. And as I said, uh, those are great numbers you like to see, especially with the offensive line woes we've had here at the University of Florida lately. But it hasn't been all too bad, but it, it hasn't been great either. So let's look at how many times the quarterback was sacked per game on average. In 2018, Louisiana Lafayette was 49th in the nation, averaging 1.9 sacks to the quarterback per game. In 2019, that would improve to 11th in the nation at 1.2 sacks per game. In 2020, it would improve even more to 7th in the nation at 0.8 sacks per game allowed. And in 2021, it would drop to 45th at 1.8 sacks per game allowed. So Louisiana Lafayette under Napier and staff also never had a season where they averaged more than two sacks per game, which is really good. And never had a season where they ranked worse than 50th in the nation and giving up a sack to the quarterback. So in four years, Billy Napier's offensive line gave up an average of 1.4 sacks per game and led by an offensive lineman who gave up zero sacks in 2,367 snaps, Osiris Torrance, who currently just transferred to Florida along with Cameron Waits. So good news in the future here for this offensive line. So just some small nuggets I researched looking at offensive line. And as I said, we're already starting to see an uptick in offensive line recruiting. I mean, I don't think anybody could be as bad as, as Coach Hevesy in offensive line recruiting, but at least we know the recruiting has gotten better. And now they're being mentored and coached a lot better under the tutelage of Rob Sale and Darnell Stapleton. But folks, that will do it for this episode of Getting Swapped. Tune in next week as I'll have on Connor Clark from Sports Illustrated to give us a recruiting update, a big recruiting guy there. Keep your eyes open this week because anything, anything could happen this week. It's a huge month for recruiting in Florida. And as I said, five-star, and I'm going to say five-star because technically he's still ranked by some sites as a five-star, and he's a five-star to me. Jaden Rashada announces his commitment here in just a few weeks. But folks, that'll do it. For this episode of Getting Swamped, your latest in football statistics, special guest, and social media. Thank you for listening to Getting Swamped.